0: My guest today is Tom. He lives in Albany, which is a few hours south of Perth on the west coast of Australia. I've never been to Albany, uh, but he tells me it's cold today whilst we've got a warm day in Sydney. How you going, Tom?
1: I'm good. Yeah, thanks. Babe. Thanks for having me.
0: <laughs> yeah, mate. Uh, pleasure to have you on here. We've got some good topics lined up that we haven't covered uh, on other episodes in terms of uh, medications here, a medication combo I've not covered before in another episode. And also, of course, uh, your personal story, which I know nothing about. Uh, you've emailed me and said, look, I don't normally do this kind of stuff. Uh, I prefer to keep to myself and um, a quiet sort of personality, but I've benefited from other people's sharing on this uh, Program and thought I'd like to share my story. That's uh, kind of how we connected, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. It's, yeah that's exactly it. Yeah. So yeah, mate, I, d- I watched your last uh, your short video that you made uh, about uh, prednisolone and uh, painkiller type anti-inflammatories. Yep. And yeah, that, that that was something that hit home for me because yeah, I, I I'd been taking those for a couple of years. Right. You know, I remember actually early on, uh, watching some podcasts with you, in it and uh, and you talking about how damaging they can be that to, to the gut, and thinking, oh no, this is not good because I'm taking a lot of these. Like, and I couldn't get through a day like without them. Yeah. So I didn't really want to hear your message at that point. It was just too too much. It was, it was overwhelming.
0: <laughs> well, when someone's saying that the strategy that you're doing every single day is the worst one for your long-term health. (laughs) You probably do want to hit pause or stop on the video. Mm -hmm. So tell us then, uh, you were, um, let me just kind of give people, I like to give an overview of what we're going to cover uh, in an episode. So what we're going to cover in this episode, you're currently taking rituximab, which is a drug that's an injectable that is taken, I thought every 12 months, but you've told me you're taking it every six months. So we're going That's to right. learn more about that drug. Yeah. Uh, I've got other clients uh, who would take that drug, and I want to share my uh, experience, which is the feedback that I've gotten from them. You're also taking the methotrexate. So we're going to talk about your medication combination. We're also going to cover how you've improved on the Patterson program because we just spoke about before we started here how these two drugs on their own uh, did not give you the symptomatic relief that you were after, and how it was only when you uh, shifted and did our program that you're able to find the right level of of Mm. uh, uh, fluidity and uh, and pain reduction in your joints. And so we'll get to that um, shortly. Let's let's just start to uh, put some. Put some ideas out there. Uh, first of all, you mentioned the the prednisone, the painkiller approach. Were you doing that exclusively in the early stages of your rheumatoid? And take us back to that time and and mm-hmm. when you were diagnosed. Let's hear about how things how things evolved.
1: Yeah. So my diagnosis was very similar to your story. Really, very very similar. Um, I went to the GP and he said, "Yeah, well." do some blood tests. I went back a couple of weeks later and he said, uh, looks like you've got rheumatoid arthritis. We'll send you to a um, specialist. And I think he gave me Celebrex on on the day. I think I started taking those. because Yeah, I was just waking up with morning stiffness. And uh, I was really active at the time. Like, well, I had been really active up until that time. But I wasn't living a, a particularly healthy lifestyle, and I was pretty stressed out. Mm-hmm. I was only 21. Yeah, I didn't really connect the dots, but the celebrations probably did exacerbate the problem, like straight away. But because I had so much going on at the time, it was um, it's it's a bit of a blur. Like now looking back on it, but it was a bit of a blur at the time as well. So
0: yeah, and you're I think you're referencing the the story I tell, which is I was at around about a four or five out of 10 pain level um, after I came back from the doctor. And then I took Voltaren uh, for three weeks at increasingly higher dose to maintain the effect that it gave me. And then I started to worry and decided to go cold turkey after three weeks and stopped taking them. And in that three week period, or after that three-week period, my pain levels were then at sevens and eights out of 10 and would not go down. Like That intervention of painkillers for those three weeks had a permanent negative effect on my symptoms. And that was when I remember the day I stopped taking those, uh, feeling the first time ever a deep sense of concern. Like, a very, very deep sense of what my future might look like because I was in a very bad physical pain level and realised that I had done something very bad over the past three weeks that was irreversible. So, yes, yeah. I understand. Yeah, well,
1: exactly that, yeah. But I guess I didn't have the clarity of mind at that point to stop taking the Celebrex. So just sort of continued on that, that train. Mm-hmm. For a long time. I guess yeah, the so Celebrex is all that I had up until I started on methotrexate the first time. And so it took probably I think it was I didn't want to take the methotrexate at all, like everybody else. Like so I think it was it was probably four or so months before I started taking it from the diagnosis, till I got to the point where I was like, This is what I have to do pretty much in order because I'm not gonna be able to manage without taking it. Yep. So I started on that it was twenty-five. Milligrams. Oh. I remember the first time that I took it. I'm not sure if I took a half dose or, but it just, I took it on a weekend, on like a Friday night, and like the whole weekend I just spent in bed. Yeah. Just knocked me out for like two days.
0: Yeah. Did millions. did that keep happening or did your body start to adjust? No, nah, my body adjusted. Yeah. yeah. So I
1: take methotrexate now still. Yep. Um, I take 12.5 milligrams a week now.
0: And you started on 25, Tom?
1: 25,
0: yeah, the maximum dose. Yeah, that's, uh, that's not that common to start on maximum dose. You know, yeah. Normally I see a start on, like for a strong case, maybe 17 and a half or 20, but starting on 25, so your symptoms must have been very bad. What did it look like?
1: Yeah, I, just, I guess I had swelling in all of my joints. It got, yeah, at the very start, when I think back on it, I didn't think I was that. It was that strong at the start. But when I look at the, um, my rheumatologist has got like a sort of a, a graph of my CRP yep. levels. And it, it does, it kind of looks like that. Uh-huh. So it's sort of worst at the start. I think it was about 55.
0: Wow. Funny. You yeah. mentioned how we had similarities. Mine was 55 as well. It was 55 or 56 uh, as well. So a lot of parallels uh, there yeah, as really, well. Yeah,
1: it really relates, and with you being an Aussie bloke from the country as well, mm-hmm. I, I could
0: relate to you, I think, mm-hmm. easily. Yeah, um, absolutely. So what did the methotrexate do?
1: The methotrexate, um, it really helped with the symptoms. Uh, it took a little while, but, uh, yeah, I, just, I felt yeah quite a lot better once I was able to sort of. Yeah, you just get into the groove of of taking it.
0: Yeah,
1: but I didn't like it at all. Like I never, I was, you know, you just sort of hate take every every week when it comes around. It's like oh, I prefer not to take this. But
0: absolutely, what
1: choice I have, kind of
0: thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, completely understand. I used to, you know, yeah, you sort of block it out of your mind, don't you? You don't like thinking to yourself, "I'm on this really strong medication." You just sort of try and focus on other things that you can influence and, and be positive. So, okay, so you're on the methotrexate and you're at maximum dose and it's starting to do some good things. How does one go from that position to end up on rituximab? So talk us through, bridge that gap for us.
1: Yeah, so I started on the, met- the methotrexate in 2012 and then about a year – later i still i still had like plenty of inflammation so i was still struggling with um with swelling
0: mm-hmm. so your and diet dry. your diet sorry to keep interrupting but i'm trying to prompt you to send out some chunks of info here is your diet yeah. pretty rough during <laughs> My that was pretty rough, yeah yeah rough yeah. diet like what did yeah. what does rough look like in tom's world uh,
1: bacon and eggs uh, iced coffee fast food right and it was, and I knew that I had to change it at that, at that point too. So I think I was curbing my behaviour. So it's, it's, come a, it's come a long way in the last six years.
0: Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, let's, let's move through the period there where I, I kind of interrupted you, where you're moving from the methotrexate and then moving on from there. So I wanted to just understand that, yes, if you methotrexate, is at maximum dose not holding your condition at bay, whereas it was at first, then you must be doing something working to exaggerate the condition or to continue exacerbate it. And that's why I asked about the diet.
1: Yeah, so the diet. And, and I think the Celebrex too. I, at that point, I wasn't taking Celebrex every day, but I was taking it, I think, as I, sort of as I needed it.
0: Yep.
1: Which was, It was probably, I can't really remember, but I think it was pretty often.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so after the year, the rheumatologist still wasn't happy with sort of where, where I was at, so he said, we'll get you started on uh, one of the biologics. Yep. And I was like, yep, yeah, whatever you reckon kind of thing, like yep. you're the expert. So, um, and he recommended doing starting with Enbrel. Yep, good. Um, so, yeah, I did start that. I think I, I might have taken weekly
0: injections. Yeah, that was a while ago now. sounds right.
1: Yeah, and that really helped as well. So. After a couple of months of taking that, a few months, I was in a really, like, I was. it was almost like I didn't have yep. arthritis. I, I still did, like, I knew I knew in myself I did, and I had this, I was just sort of covering up the symptoms. Mm-hmm. But I was able to do a lot of the stuff that, yeah, that I wasn't able to do when I'd first been diagnosed and up until that point. So I was, I was yeah, I was, I was feeling pretty good. Okay. And it was around that time as well that I came across your program. I think I just looked up on uh YouTube, just Methotrexate. I just wanted to learn a little bit more about it. And I think it was one of your early videos of you standing in front of your bookshelf. Yeah. they're talking about methotrexate.
0: Yeah. We used to have a one bedroom apartment in Paddington here in Sydney. And um most of my healing and also most of my challenges were in that little one bedroom apartment that I shared with Melissa. And I tell you that was uh that was a pressure cooker of pain and uh, discovery and experience and eventually uh, uh, the, the the first early stages of yeah putting some content online and starting to share what I and Melissa had had learned so that's right that little bookshelf I mean that was mm-hmm. the only thing we had in the whole house that I could sit in front of that actually um, looked half decent because. I mean in a one bedroom apartment <laughs> there's not many options when you've got no lighting gear and no equipment or anything so uh yeah
1: and it was great like that's that's how well, we wouldn't be having this conversation now and and um yeah so
0: that's right it's crazy isn't it it is crazy yeah yeah, yeah um, so you found out you found this guy on YouTube talking about methotrexate who you then found out said that everything you're doing's wrong but hang on a second <laughs> <laughs> because uh hang on a second, uh somewhere along the line we you you're on prednisone and painkillers, uh you said, so I'm kind of a little confused there.
1: Yeah, so I'm getting there.
0: Oh, sorry, mate,
1: <clears throat> yeah, so the the embryo um it stopped working like after about I took it for maybe eight months ish, something like that, and then it just slowly sort of its effects just diminished. And being down here, so I live in Albany. It's it's five hours south of the um, major city in Western Australia, which is it's a pretty isolated state, and we don't have a uh, specialist rheumatologist down here. They do do Skype um, meetings or Skype, mm. uh, but they can't really get a good look at you in that. Mm. So so I did one appointment via Skype with the um, rheumatologist in Perth, in the city five hours away and uh, at that point my health was diminishing but because it was sort of happening slowly I wasn't Mm. yeah I wasn't so aware of it I just knew I wasn't feeling that great and then before I knew it it was, was feeling quite bad so I went and to the back to the rheumatologist the same rheumatologist that I saw in Perth and he said yeah well this is what happens with the biologics or what can happen with the biologics they just stop working sometimes we don't really know why which is like what you get a lot in with RA, it seems like. Yeah. Yeah, so he said we'll get you started on another one, which was uh, Orencia.
0: Yeah.
1: I said, okay, you're the expert. <laughs> and uh, I, I tried that. Um, it just, yeah, that it also didn't work for me, Orencia. So I think I injected that maybe. It was a little bit longer, I think, every two weeks, something like that.
0: Every two weeks between injections? I, I can't
1: remember. Yeah, okay. is that, yeah. Um,
0: I I honestly am not sure. Anyway,
1: yeah. I, I took that for a few months and wasn't getting the d- desired result. And at that time, my girlfriend's German. Mm-hmm. She she's studying in Germany at the moment, so I went over there and I to uh, I wanted to live there with her. Germany.
0: Oh yeah yeah
1: so the plan was to take some a over there with me. but what happened is uh, because I failed the uh, the required like the minimum required uh, uh, inflammation, so the information needs to come down to a certain level before the Australian government agrees to to pay for your um, medication or for my medication.
0: So they didn't want to continue to pay for the Arendtia because it wasn't showing that it was doing its job. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And
1: you need to show at least a 20% improvement, something okay. like that. Yeah. And I was showing 15%. So it was helping, but just not enough. Yeah. And so I sort of, I stretched that stay out there in Germany. I just thought I'll, I'll just, um, I don't know, I guess I was I was pretty naive and I just uh, so I pretty pretty much wasn't on any medication during that time because I'd also stopped taking methotrexate.
0: So did you take yourself off methotrexate?
1: No, my doctor, uh, just before I went over um, to Germany, my uh, yeah, I met with a doctor and I had a few issues with the methotrexate. Just like I had some sores in my mouth and um, I think maybe through my own forgetfulness I, I might have, like, uh, forgotten a couple of times to have the folic acid.
0: After oh, I, yep.
1: Um and so that put me in a pretty bad state. And because I hated taking it as well, anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. And <laughs> and and because the um the time difference between like when you're taking it and when you when you feel the pain is quite there's there's a gap between when you stop taking methotrexate it's like 6 weeks.
0: Yes, I think if your symptoms are being suppressed by methotrexate and we're often not aware that the symptoms are actually being suppressed as much as what they can be, and then we stop taking methotrexate, the symptoms maybe four to eight weeks later can uh, come back and often people are surprised that the symptoms were there and that the methotrexate was doing as much as what it actually was. And it's often very disappointing because you think, gosh, I I thought that that wasn't doing anything, but clearly I was um, getting some benefit from that drug.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's so. So that's what I experienced pretty much. I I was naive to how how much uh, uh, the methotrexate was helping me. So yeah, so I spent about three months medication free mm-hmm. while I was in Germany. Gotcha. Just my condition deteriorated until until I got back. So I so I, I was hoping to live over there with my girlfriend, but it. Uh, my condition worsened to the point where it just wasn't possible for me to 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 live and work there. So came back to Australia with my tail between my legs. Yeah, bit, and yeah. um, I went to the rheumatologist and he said, that, "Yeah, okay, so we'll we'll get you um started on rituximab." Yep. So this was at the start of
0: 2016. Okay. So, yeah, a couple of years ago,
1: and. He didn't say, because I'd been struggling with the methotrexate, he didn't sort of recommend starting that again. Okay. And actually during my time in Germany, I tried a couple of times to start. Once I realized how much the, uh, the methotrexate had been helping, I thought I'll get started on that again. Yeah. But each time I tried to start it, I just got completely, um, uh, just wasted me yeah.
0: again, Yeah. The
1: same as I had the first time. Mm-hmm. So I, so I took it, I would take it the first week and then I came around to the next week and I, would,
0: and I thought, oh, there's no way. Yeah, just you just can't in. face it again sort of thing. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, so came back to Australia, got started on Rituximab and just really took it easy. For Mum and Dad looked after me.
0: Uh, yeah, let's just talk. I mean, getting started on Rituximab sounds like, oh, yeah, I got home and I, you know, went and saw a movie. <laughs> Uh, yeah. now just to set just to set the scene for for people who are watching or listening to this and i just want to say tom i appreciate you going and i know you mentioned to me before this this wasn't this isn't easy for you to share your story like this and to open up so i appreciate it mate and uh you're doing a great job so i hope that people are um you know uh um getting some uh insights um into you know the situation by listening to your your story so far And we're about to get into the transformational stuff, which we might, which we'll get to in probably just a couple of minutes. But just to set the scene on rituximab, there's one client uh, who I spoke with who took this drug, and it took this client a month to recover from the side effects, the way it knocked her out from taking the rituximab injections. She had them in two courses. So she had maybe a half half of it in yeah, that's one that's what i do too
1: yeah one, okay. and then two weeks later
0: exactly two weeks yeah. later she had it again well it floored her after the first one she was mostly in bed for the for the first two weeks uh and then uh, similarly she struggled for the for after the second one and it, i mean it was it was a kind of toxicity that i had never seen before or observed from any kind of drug with any of my clients so uh, what was your experience? Hopefully, it was not as bad as that.
1: Um, the first time that I had the infusions, it it wasn't too bad. I didn't think. I thought it was, it was similar to methotrexate, that like, similar sort of feeling of just really drained. Yeah. But I think it was really the only the first week after the first infusion. Yep. That it really sort of felt. The last few times that I've had it, it's really hasn't been too bad at all. I've, I've just sort of I was expecting something like that. Yeah, yeah, but but it has. Yeah, so i have actually in a in a week's time, I've got another infusion, okay. and I, I'm not I'm not dreading it too too much. Really. Mm-hmm.
0: How long do they take?
1: About it's I'm usually in there for most of the day, like five five hours ish. And it's oh. a drip, so like drip drip. Yeah, drip. Yeah, so there's yeah you sit in the chair and they yeah they hook you hook up to the drip.
0: Did you get a break to go to the bathroom and so you on? You can get
1: up and just take the drip sort of right uh, thing with you to go, yeah. and they give, yeah give you a cup of tea and that kind of
0: thing. Okay, you know. and you're able to maybe have a small snack or something as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So I've got the picture now a bit more clearer, um, and so you'll spend most of the day there, and we also spread them out over two weeks like you've done in the past.
1: Yeah, that's so. I think that's the way it sort of needs to
0: happen or that's the way that it's done. Okay. So you're on every six months. She was on every month and I keep referring to the same individual because not many people I know are on this particular medication. There's one more that I know of here in Sydney, um, actually prescribed, uh, by my old rheumatologist. So she's seeing him and, uh, she's taking this now. Is it, was it Pitched to you as the sort of approach that you go on when the biologics aren't working.
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, I think the rheumatologist said the good thing is usually when this one starts working, it usually works for and it continues working.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think he said something like 80 percent of the people that it's worked for, like they they can sort of just stay on it right right through. Kind of, yeah, and I speculate that he might have. Me on that as well because it's such a long course, like with the six month, yeah. Um, just because I might have needed that sort of uh, flexibility, I guess, with, uh, because the as opposed to having a lot of the other ones are weekly injections or mm-hmm. where you, there's quite a lot of organizing um, that's involved with keeping those kinds of things on so you.
0: Um, oh, you think just from a quicker. logistics point of view, maybe um, I, I'm yeah. not sure, I didn't
1: ask him that, but I, yeah, I, I, I
0: speculate. Certainly more convenient, isn't it? Just to spend, you know, two days, well, it's four days a year for all your medications, isn't it? So um, it's certainly uh, convenient uh, from that point of view. Okay. And how has that drug been? Good. Yeah. It's helped me.
1: It's helped me a lot. Yep. Yeah. Obviously, it's a little bit like all the other drugs. Like, you don't, it's, I wouldn't um, choose to take it if I didn't need to, but it's, um, and in parallel with, with doing this diet and the lifestyle changes, yeah, it's it's working for me at this point. And, and what I'm hoping to do is just to stretch it out. So I'm taking it six monthly at the moment. Right. Next time. I'm looking at next time. I'll see how I'm going because usually I can start as the effects wear off towards the end of the cycle. Okay, I've been able to observe that over the last uh, sort of year and a half that I've been doing the Patterson program. Yep. Yep. And each time it's gotten a little better.
0: So what you're saying is that um, it feels like you could have went another month, for example. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. Okay. Well, good. So, well, if you, if you're due to go next week, how do you feel today? Yeah, pretty
1: good. Like, yeah, I could, I think I could go longer without it, but I, 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 yeah, I don't think I will this time around. I think. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, I'm living pretty full
0: life. I feel like at the moment. So awesome. All right. Well, let's talk about the uh, effects that you experienced when you implemented the program. How long it took to feel effects? How hardcore you went on it, or did you just dabble? And also, what your what other uh, like when I refer the program, I'm also talking about the exercise component. Um, tell us the changes you made and the positive impact that they've had
1: yeah, so I actually tried it twice. So the first time I tried, I made three months, got three months in and 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 uh, capitulated pretty much. <laughs> was just, it, was, it was too much for me. Mm-hmm. So just because what I felt like the first time i I started the program was in October two thousand and fourteen, actually. but at that time, like I resented the fact that that's what I needed to do. yeah, right. So I just I didn't approach it in the right frame of mind. Yeah. So and I actually and I made some some pretty um some errors like some. uh, So I would go I get because it was so low fat I would go and eat nuts Mm -hmm. quite a lot Mm -hmm.
0: because
1: I guess my body was craving um, and I thought surely like it's all natural like it's got to be.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I've had the same thought a million times. So. Took me a long time to eat nuts uh, that were dry roasted, but I was eating uh, in my raw food uh, time uh, tons of nuts to get by. I, uh, but mm-hmm. I was sprouting them as as in raw, raw and then sprouted. So, look, I think the body naturally craves higher fat foods. You know, as as a, a creatures that need survival instincts, we're going to want to eat foods that give us maximum satiation. satiation. For maximum amount of time, because it's efficient, right? If you eat a high fat food, you don't have to eat again for a longer period yeah. of time, and that's efficiency, and body's always looking for ways of doing things faster and better.
1: Yeah, so because I did that, because I was eating nuts and I, I wasn't getting the desired results. Mm-hmm. So but I think it was important for me to try that first time because I learned a few things. Yeah, that helped me out when i when I eventually came to it. The, yeah the second time. so what I did is what was important for me I think uh, with being successful with uh, doing the program was um, I needed to have my own space really so I, I rented a little um, little apartment just to myself and um, and actually I wasn't I, I wasn't consciously planning on on starting to sort of hardcore go hardcore with the diet but it just naturally happened because I was the only one there and i was in pain <laughs> and, and uh, whereas i had been living in share houses and that, that kind of thing um previous to that where it's kind of you're living with your friends and
0: yeah that's hard
1: but, yeah it's really hard to uh to change change like changing habits is hard at the best of times so
0: it's uh, yeah, it's, a, so it's, it's hard to eat quinoa when they've just ordered pizza <laughs> it is yeah
1: <laughs> yeah i ate a lot of quinoa for about six months like just um just went really hard on the quinoa and up
0: yeah and how did you see your body transform in terms of the pain levels and uh i know it's hard because you've had a long history of changing medications and that that even the medications when they're consistent change in their effectiveness as the six month period uh, moves and stuff how were you sure that this was helping you with all of these other variables
1: okay so yeah so up until that point i hadn't been able to get through a day i'd actually been taking the those painkillers the celebrex the (laughs) anti-inflammatory two two 200 milligrams a day
0: wow yeah
1: for for a good while like yeah So like that's i was in trouble you know Uh i knew it's and and i think i'm still paying for that now really in my journey yep so yeah so i got i think. Once I got started on the um, on the rituximab, I got down to one Celebrex a day, but I still needed it every day. Like yeah, three, and I was also taking every second day um, pred- prednisone. Pred-
0: wow, wow, man. Okay, yep. Yeah, that, so that, half of it. That's the worst half, worst combination of all. It's, I mean, it's one thing to take one, and it's another to take the other. But the scientific studies show that the most amount of Lesions and problems with the digestion. Uh, sorry, your gut health happens when you take the combination of the two. So, um, yeah, yeah, just, and, and
1: then I would and I. Would, so I was taking those and I'd watch YouTube and I'd see you like the see you say that and I'd be like, yeah, wow, yeah, like I might be too far gone, I think, to even attempt this. But I was also in such a bad way, like that, I had to do something.
0: Really. Yeah, yep. So.
1: The first thing I dropped was the um, the prednisolone.
0: Good. Yep. Yeah, that's what first I would have done. Is what you were saying. Yeah. All yeah, oh, right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Funny. Um, yeah. So I I did that as as quickly as I could. I'm not sure um, how long it took me. Maybe uh, a month to get to to stop it.
0: Mm-hmm. Did you find not just a physical sort of bounce back of symptoms? But an, um, and an emotional challenge that really almost tore you apart as you're trying to come off it and lower the dose that the emotional side of of the experience was tough too? Um I guess
1: the whole thing, like the whole the whole journey is just so emotional, emotionally training. Mm, yeah. So I think I got to the point where it was just like. <laughs> It was get it was going to be that hard, like either no matter which direction I chose to take. <laughs> yeah, <it's> so true. <laughs> to the fella in um in uh, the Netherlands, um, Danny. Yeah, Danny. I think it is. He did the talking about running. No, he swam a lot, didn't he? he did a lot of swimming. head? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to say that. Sorry, Danny, if you're watching. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's got a girlfriend that loves him, so he's fine.
1: He's a, yeah, and he's a happy man. It's, it's <laughs> no, a, he
0: doesn't mind a few digs at him. He's a, <laughs> he's a good guy.
1: Um, yeah, and I remember yeah, getting doing swimming as well after that, doing breaststroke, and just saying, like, heal. I was uh, saying that mantra to myself, like, every stroke, just saying, heal. Yeah. And yeah, so because he was on prednisone too, mm. mm-hmm. I remember he's uh, to, talking about how hard it was to get off. I actually didn't find it like I didn't find it. I don't think it's hard as yeah, because it was everything else was so hard. I guess that 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 was
0: right. Uh, you just basically expected that it would be just ridiculously challenging, and and just went through with it.
1: Pretty much, yeah. I,
0: I think yeah. that um, that's the hardest to get off at all when it's your only drug because. Yeah. You know, it's playing a large amount of role in terms of its pain reduction. It's a very, very extreme, strong painkiller, right? Yeah, it's so
1: immediate is the thing with, um, you know, you take it in the morning and you feel great. Right. Same day.
0: Yeah, yeah. So highly addictive, effective. Yep. So like one rheumatologist said in a tweet at a rheumatology conference last year uh, that prednisone's our best drug, but it's our worst drug. Yeah. So I think that sums it up. Mm-hmm. So you've gotten off that just to – Yeah, um, I've gotten off that. Yeah. And then the
1: next thing was the celebrate. The, that was the next thing to go. That also seemed to be what you were saying. So Yeah. And I think that uh, – yeah, so I tried a few days to get through without it, but I just, like, just, could barely do it, you know. Right.
0: Like, uh, yeah.
1: But, yeah, after a couple of months I could, I could do it. I could get through a day. And I'm not sure if I did it like a day and then two days and then – I can't exactly remember how I did it, but I just knew I was going to get up. I'm just going to stop taking it somehow.
0: Right. So you just made the decision and you just kept at it and you, sounds like you slightly increased this, the distance between when you took it and you just eventually found that you could get by without it. Was yeah, that and I
1: knew mean? it was the diet that was, that was helping those because there was no way I could do that without, without it. You know, without, so I was just, yeah. Yeah, so I I knew it was working at that stage and that was only probably three months, three months in and I I wasn't really deviating from the baseline
0: Yep, because
1: I didn't want to have to do it again.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That was exactly my thoughts as well. You might as well take this slow and, and get it right. Yeah, exactly. Fantastic. So it helped you get off this Celebrex, which you'd been on for so long, like years and years, Mm -hmm. and the prednisone, which you'd been taking as well uh, every other day. So to be able to get off those two things just by shifting your diet, I mean, it's fantastic. Yeah,
1: yeah, it is. So at that point I knew I was on on to something. Because the first time I tried it, because I'd made those mistakes with the nuts or with the fatty foods, but yeah, so I, got, I was really disillusioned and I wasn't even sure if, if, it, if it would work. But I thought this time around, I thought, well, like I really need to do something. I'm going to give it at least two years.
0: Thought, okay, like. Yeah.
1: I remember coming across um, Healing Josephine on YouTube yeah. too. She's,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, did some blogging. And yeah, and, I, and following her journey through the, after about two years, she seemed to sort of have some uh, really good results. But yeah. she struggled a lot. Like,
0: Absolutely. So- yeah, 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 like I want to say that from the day I decided myself to to um, change my diet into a raw raw vegan, I think, you know, there was eight months there and then I did like 12 months of basically baseline foods and then it took me another uh, 12 months of reintroducing foods at which point around about that time I stopped methotrexate and then like another year and a half of trying to get rid of the um, sort of smouldering pain um, so we're talking like in my case, like three, three and a half, four—I don't know—like a long time, right? So nothing's mm-hmm. quick, nothing, no. nothing's fast. Yeah, I,
1: I had a good laugh. I think it was the one of the last uh, YouTube videos you made where you said it's either it's like slow, really, really slow, or really, really, really slow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's it, man. that that, that they're your options there's nothing else (laughs) i'll
1: take the really really slow thank you
0: (laughs) yeah let's lock that one in Um, our day-to-day is influenced so much by so many things that it's a little bit too microscopic to look at our progress but if we can look at it how it is uh, week to week uh, and then use blood tests month to month then that's more appropriate and um you know it's it's kind of like if you pay only attention to how you feel every single day as opposed to week to week or month to month it's kind of like jumping on the scales to weigh yourself 3 times a day i mean there's stuff's not going to that's in the noise you know you want to weigh yourself once a day or once a week to to gauge a trend and similarly with the inflammation uh, once a week uh we should be keeping an eye on things so yeah okay so how do we now transition to where we're at today fill us in on the last portion of the story
1: yeah so the best way i can like say where i'm at today is
0: probably yeah wow yeah 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 absolute extreme maximum yeah fantastic yeah, yeah yeah so i
1: wasn't able to do that for about five years yeah I would have been like and i remember seeing Seeing you, you like move your hands and that on, mm. on and other people on the podcast,
0: mm. and thinking,
1: like, oh, I don't think, I don't know if that's possible for me, really. Like,
0: yeah. yeah. And what about the rest of your body? Were there other parts affected that, uh, also, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So, I was, you know, when you talk about that, like having the pain breathing, um, you know, in your throat, your chest, the, yep, the um, lymph nodes, you know, really. Inflamed,
0: mm-hmm. just pain throughout. Hey, like a lot. Yeah,
1: Yep. I mean, like if I would need to sneeze, I, you know, you, you actually didn't realize before, but like, you need to take a pretty deep breath before you sneeze. Mm-hmm. It's like that, I'd need to sneeze, but the the swelling would be too great, like around my chest area, even to wow. um, to take in to inhale. So that would even inhibit me from sneezing sometimes.
0: Wow, and no problem now.
1: No, no, no. Like, I, if I have the wrong food now, yep. Which is, and it's still very limited what I'm eating.
0: Yep, I'm eating a lot of pasta. Okay, awesome.
1: Um, and uh, a lot of uh, oats.
0: Great. Yep.
1: Yeah. yeah. So I know they're good things, but there's other things like even basmati rice. I still have okay issues, okay. and and beans, things like that. Yep. Where my where my concern is at is I guess moving forward because uh, I t- I do sort of I reassure myself by saying that, look I was on those very gut damaging medications for a really long time yeah so it's probably going to take at least that amount of time to sort of even get back to the to an even mm. um, playing field
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah but th- I guess that's what I if I'm looking for advice around that uh,
0: yeah well um i think you know i f- feel like those, those words are very familiar um that's how i've described it in the past and um whilst i don't think it takes a day for every day that you're on the drugs to kind of get back to uh, to that to, i mean that would be a worst case scenario i think that if you're on you know painkillers for five years to take five years before you're able to eliminate the effects of those and I'm, i know that's not what you're saying but to maybe eliminate <laughs> symptoms that were exacerbated from those medications. Um, I think that's worst case scenario. Um, If we look at someone on the podcast in the past, Angelica, she was taking painkillers for 18 years and then within three or four weeks of our program was able to completely come off the painkillers. So, you know, I think the prednisone does far more damage than the painkillers. I think that I would even go as far to say that it's kind of like 10 to 1. That's how much more damaging I believe yes. the prednisone is because they operate in different different ways. The uh, negative impact of the prednisone is that I believe, and no one can tell me a better answer, but I, my theory on this is that it depletes the mucosal lining in the colon and that's where our healthy gut bacteria actually live. And so the prednisone is more damaging because it removes the home, it removes the housing and the the actual physical location of where our gut bacteria need to adhere to, to actually do what they need to do in our colon. Whereas the painkillers just cause some more leaky gut. All right. So they just allow some more proteins to enter the blood, but they're not deteriorating the mucosal lining. And that I believe is the key distinction, which again, this isn't in the science. This is what I'm basing, basing my theories around Because of the seemingly extremely long-term implications of long-term prednisone use on the symptoms, compared to someone like Angelica, eighteen years of painkillers and in a month being able to get off them. Someone does eighteen years of prednisone, I tell you, this guaranteed—you're not going to change. You're not going to be able to get off prednisone and take no drugs after four months of any any kind of dietary intervention. Right, so that's that's where i believe what's going on so if i was in your scenario in terms of like looking you know you mentioned looking for advice my thoughts and just my 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 views and comments around this would be that uh, obviously physically your symptoms seem to be at an extraordinary low level so you certainly don't have a, a problem where you're backed up against the wall with regards to inflammation and you really need an adjustment on medications or anything at the point i think that you're your combination of meds at the moment seems like, a, uh, although they're strong, right? Although they're a tuximab, methotrexate, 15 milligram, you know, it's a, it's a powerful combination of drugs, but you're also simultaneously applying some powerful, uh, restoration and improvement strategies around your diet. And sounds like, um, if you keep up your swimming and, and, maybe even get back into a gym routine and just basically aim for building strength, building a feeling of, of power and masculinity and, um, muscle think words like that. And, uh, that will be exciting. You know, I think nine out of 10 guys like the concept of trying to, you know, get stronger, gain weight, build muscle and strength and stuff. So this is the area that I would look towards. And with that, as I said it 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 builds optimism and and rightly so because a strong body is a more robust body. You might find that you can eat as much corn on the cob as you like, and that's very enjoyable sweet flavor to mix up meals. Um, you're eating a lot of pasta, no problems with pasta whatsoever. So you know it seems like you've got enough platform of foods from which you can have a a sufficiently satisfying diet. Uh, to then build upon and fall back upon if you sometimes find that you've made a mistake. Look, the rice is still aggravating something. Okay, drop it. At least you've still got your pasta. You've still got your other pseudo grains. You've still got some other things that you can enjoy. Look at sourdough, oat sourdough without oils, a bread that you might be able to enjoy. Um, So working on expanding the diet, um, not being too quick to change medications, I'd just keep, as you are doing, keep things the same for the next six months and just look to try and become less sensitive to the foods. Because as you see less sensitivity to the foods, you're realizing that the message that your body is giving you is that your digestive process has become more robust. With a more robust digestive system, you can infer that therefore you're going to be more okay on a reduction of medication dose. And even then you want to be careful. And if I was in your position, I wouldn't want to decide and suggest something right now, but um, monotherapy, single drug therapy is always going to be better than a double drug therapy if you can achieve it. I know that sounds commonsensical, but If you can get off the methotrexate and just be on the rituximab and then with time increase the duration between the infusions, you're getting into a really good position where there's just the one drug, they're a long time apart, you're not seeing the side effects. Meanwhile, you're always working on your gut health, building strength, you know, basically investing. It's investing into your health, invest, invest, invest. Like every day you're putting money in the bank and you're building a wealth of health, right? Mm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I was, I was planning long-term. I'm thinking I thought I'd stick with the methotrexate more than with the rituximab. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, it's, I'm,
0: yeah. I mean, that, that certainly, a, it's certainly going with a lesser of a more dangerous drug, even though methotrexate can be, but, uh, you know, something that requires two incomplete days to drip into your bodies obviously uh, comes off as more dangerous than Mm -hmm. um, any alternative I can think of. But, you know, it's about trying to find that balance between keeping the symptoms low and and doing so um, by making small incremental changes to the medication strategy, not massive interventions which can rock yeah. and mess up everything
1: I think that comes comes across like through your message through the through the podcast that certainly comes across and it, it's as an important yeah because I think uh, you, you probably a lot of people start the program and then drop <laughs> drop meds and think yep. yeah, just don't realize how big a big how, what a mission it's going to be um, overcoming the
0: oh yeah man it's like one of the hardest things that one could ever attempt to do I often you know draw parallels to climbing Mount Everest I think that it is quite literally the same challenge as summiting Mount Everest like it is like not yeah <laughs> you know just think of how few people get to the summit of Mount Everest and it takes a team you've got sherpas you've got you you've got to you got to have all the equipment you've got to prepare for it for many years.
1: Yeah, I thought I might play a bit with your with the metaphor that you tend to use with the um, path through the mountain because mm. sometimes it's like you, you need a bit of a machete, I think, at points, like the path disappears and you just hope that, like, hopefully it's going to reappear in about 50 metres or, or so.
0: Yeah, and you've got to cut your own way for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I might add that. I might add that to the book. <laughs> I'll reference you if I do. Yeah. I well, mate, um, we've put in a long one here. We've uh, we've covered uh, uh, your story um, in its completeness, or at least I think as we've done it justice. And uh, so we might wrap it up. And I want to thank you for sharing all that you have. I think a lot of people um, can relate to a lot of things we talked about. The one thing that stood out to me especially was that it's always hard. Doesn't matter if you try this approach or that approach, it's hard every way you look. And, um, I think that was, that was an important message that, uh, that I took out of this uh, and learn a lot from you about, you know, perseverance, uh, learn a lot about these, uh, different medications as well. So thanks very much for sharing today. And, uh, Keep up all the hard work and keep using that machete when you need to. <laughs> yeah.
1: Back at you, Clean. Yeah.
0: You've been listening to The Patterson Program. For more information, visit pattersonprogram.com.